All right. Amen, amen, amen. All right. If you have a Bible with you and you want to follow along this morning, we'll be in Galatians chapter 4. We'll be in Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. And if you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. There should be a hardback black one somewhere around you. Feel free to use that. And the words will also be on the screen behind me. And I always just want to remind ourselves over and over again why I want to push you to the scriptures to see it for yourself. Because especially during a day like this, with Christmas, for the most part, we understand uh, we're here for the birth of Christ. It's a story, especially if you grew up around church, that this is kind of what we're here for. But it's a completely different thing altogether when we're actually seeing um, the source material per se for ourselves. So rather just hearing this story that we've heard from time to time, it's a completely different thing when we actually read it from God's word itself. And I always just want to remind you, encourage you that what we're doing here is just not a, a simple exchange of opinions or thoughts, but rather it's a proclamation of the word of God that we believe has the power to change hearts and heal lives and really transform people as we know it, not only us individually, but communally, emotionally, relationally, and cosmically in, in all of our universe. That's what we believe the gospel can do. So with all that said, I just want to always remind us that this is what we're doing this morning. We want to proclaim the word of God, believing that through God's word, it can ultimately change us and impact us very much so, especially on this Christmas day. Amen. So with all that said, I'm just going to dive right in. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. I'll read through verse 7, and the Word of God says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let us pray together real quick. Father, we thank you so much for this time where we are able to gather around your word. And Father, I pray uh, during this time, God, would you help us just to be able to to hear your word clearly. God, I pray that it would, it would speak fully into our life. Help us to be able to know that it is applicable, that it does apply to our lives, that you don't just say anything randomly. And it is not by coincidence that any person is in the room this morning. It's not by chance. It is not by accident. But you purposely know each person in the room, knowing that they would hear these words of yours this morning. So God, I pray that you would speak to us Speak a word of truth. Speak something that deeply impacts our hearts. Would you break chains, break down the walls in our lives today, and bring about healing and light and life and joy through your spirit today? And church family, as always, I want to invite you and ask you if you're willing to ask the Lord to do that in your own heart. If you're willing, ask Jesus to speak to you this morning. Ask him to illuminate in your life and in your heart the truth of his word today. Go ahead and do that now. Father, we love you and we trust you. May your words and your name be remembered and not mine. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Uh, well, if you were here last night, I alluded to this a little bit, but a lot of what I touched on and, and talked about was how 
this season as a whole is just kind of crazy. Uh, there's a lot of things that we just always seem to be going from and doing. There, and, it, and it brings us to really uh, an emotional roller coaster that brings about this busyness and this stress, this anxiety. And, and at the same time, we somehow find this excitement and this joy, but somehow this sadness and loneliness just seem, that just seems to be upon a lot of us during these days. And a lot of it can be founded on just we're just so busy doing a bunch of things, right? Like we were always, we're attending a Christmas party. We're trying to think about like, okay, where do we have to travel? Like, for example, me and my wife, as soon as we're done here, we're going to the airport and we're flying to Philadelphia today. Like there are all of these things that we're, are on the schedule of things we got, we've got to get done and we have the gifts that we need to buy and then we have to wrap them and then we have to give them. And there's the food we're going to make and the food we're going to, undoubtedly we're going to eat it. And then in the midst of all the crazy, it seems like every year it just gets busier and busier and busier. And the only thing you can count on is the consistently inconsistent weather that is Texas. It seems to be the only thing that we can know to be true, but every year it just seems like there's more stuff happening year in and year out, and it just becomes this distraction, and it takes us along this emotional roller coaster that really doesn't seem to have a mission or a point. So in the midst of it, we're experiencing this busyness and this fun, yet at the same time, for a lot of people in the room, we, have, we experience these hard times. Like there are people, maybe there's people just for the first time that aren't around this holiday season, and I, can, I relate to that. Or maybe there's people who think Christmas and just think there's a lot of just bad memories loaded with this season, and it just makes it really difficult for a lot of people. And I think what makes it extra difficult on all of us is we're doing all of these things, and we can't remember why. We don't remember the why behind it all. So what I want to do this morning is just ask ourselves a simple question. And reminding us of what the point is here. Because um, we know what Christmas all, is all about for the most part. It's about the birth of Christ. But I can say, um, for me growing up, I was never really asked the question, why did Jesus actually become born? Like, why was Jesus born? That wasn't a question I was ever, I was ever asked. And I grew up in the church. And, but even like thinking about, like even as a middle schooler and a high schooler, that wasn't a question that was really ever asked of me. So I thought it would be appropriate in our time to be able to kind of push away the distraction, push away the busyness, and I hope some of it has subsided considering it being Christmas morning, but I know there's still so many things still left to be done. But I'm hoping in the midst of what has already happened and what is still to come, and during this season, I pray during this time, we'll be able to take a deep breath and find the peace and the light of hope that we see in figuring out, hey, Jesus, why were you born? Okay, so with all that, let's jump into a Galatians chapter four. We're just going to go through this text. Um, won't be here too long, um, but we're going to jump in Galatians chapter four, starting in verse four. And it'll be helpful for us to kind of figure out, OK, what, what is the point of the book of Galatians? Um, so Paul, the writer of Paul, the apostle Paul, writes this letter to a church in Galatia that I, I love. It still applies so much to us today. But basically what's happening in the church of Galatia is you had these people who come to faith in Jesus. They declared themselves as Christians. I want to follow Christ. But then all of a sudden you had these people come along the way and say, hey, you're actually doing it wrong. Jesus's death, his sacrifice on the cross and rising from the grave actually wasn't enough. And there's still more that you need to do. So were these people coming, really coming, disturbing the Christians in this church in Galatia, and they were getting really confused. And what Paul is trying to do and encourage in his letter is to help them understand, like, no, 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 there is no adding to your salvation. There is no works-based salvation. What Jesus did was enough. The cross was enough. 
That's what you see. In, in Galatians 2, Paul makes it clear. If righteousness were through the law, if we could be good people just by doing good things and be right before God, just by being good, then why, would, why did Jesus even come? Like, why was Jesus even born? Why did he even die if we could do that? So what Paul is trying to do in this letter is to help them understand, no, no, this is what it means to follow Christ. This is the beauty of, the, of Christ's birth and his life and his death and resurrection. And then we, I love it, we get to this really beautiful part in Galatians chapter 4 we find ourselves today. So Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, Born of woman, born under the law. And we'll stop there because there's so many things happening here. So first thing we see is we talk about the birth of Christ. That but when the fullness of time had come, meaning that when God had ordained, Jesus, this is when you're going. This is the allotted time in history that you are going to make your impact on earth. It wasn't by accident. It wasn't by coincidence. It's actually really interesting. If you think, if you actually look at the history behind it and you look at all of the things that were happening leading up to the birth of Christ, it's actually quite perfect as to why and to when God had Jesus make his stay on earth when he did. And if you have, you would, you would love to more, know more about that. I'd love to share that with you after the service. It's actually, it's, it's really interesting. But the first beginning of this show is when the fullness of time had come, Jesus was born and it wasn't by accident. It wasn't by coincidence. It wasn't God just like spinning the globe and, and just stopping it right there. It was ordained. It was allotted, allotted by his sovereign choice. He said, this is when it's going to come. It says, God sent forth his son. And in this, we see really two interesting things. He was born of woman, and he was born under the law. Now, that might seem insignificant, but for us, it's actually a, a kind of a big deal. Because it, it, what it's relating to us and showing for us today is that Jesus is quite relatable. So first we see he was born of woman, like us, right? There's nobody in the room today who wasn't born of woman, right? Like, we're, we're, all, we're all there together, so Jesus has this common circumstance with all of us. He was born like all of us, yet he has this distinct difference. He was born without sin. So Psalm 51.5 tells us, David, David reminds us that he, we were born in iniquity. In sin are we conceived. This is true of all people except for Jesus. If you look in Luke chapter 1, it says the Holy Spirit is going to come upon Mary, and that is how Jesus is going to be conceived. Now, why does that matter? Why is that important? Because Jesus could not be our perfect sacrifice. He couldn't be our Savior. He can't be our King if he was born in sin like the rest of us. So he was born like us, yet through the power of God, he was born without sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. We see a, a glimpse of this. John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as, as, as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And Jesus could not have been born with this glory, full of grace and full of truth, had He not been born through the power of the Holy Spirit and born of woman, okay? So that's the first thing we see. Jesus is like us, that he was born of woman like us, yet completely without sin. And then moving forward, he said he was born under the law. And basically what all that's trying to say is that he was born into the same broken world like you and I were. It's not like Jesus was born and he had an easier path. He didn't. He was born into the same brokenness, the same, the same 
uh, difficult circumstances. He was born into the same struggle, the same darkness like you and I were. He would experience the same type of suffering, the same type of temptations. All of these would be things that were not foreign to him, but actually quite relatable for Jesus. And here's the thing. He would endure the circumstance, endure all of these temptations in these hard times, yet he does it without sin. He lives perfectly. So he was born without sin and he lives without sin. Hebrews 4.15 says this, says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So this is, this is our king who we're, who we're talking about today, celebrating this birth, that he was born like us, and then he grew up in the same type of world, in the same darkness and brokenness that we see all over the place every day, yet he lived perfectly. He loved perfectly. He served perfectly. He obeyed and trusted God perfectly. This is our king. This is our savior. And then moving on, we just keep moving to verse 5. It says, we see two more points. He does this. He was born of woman. He was born under the law. He was sent from God. Why? To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So the first thing we see here is that Jesus came to redeem. And that's a big, big fancy word. It's basically to fix what was broken. To, to see what was broken and to make it completely brand new. To see what was darkness and turn it into light. To see a soul that was dead and bring it back to life. To see the people who were lost that could now be found. The blind can now see. Jesus came to redeem. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came, was to completely dismantle our problem, our issues, our sin, our darkness that we've brought about that is only, not only hurtful to ourselves, but is hurtful to the people around us. Jesus came to basically wreck shop against sin and death and bring in a new kingdom of light and glory brought about by God the Father. He came to redeem us. But there's something even greater in this, and I love it, points to that we see in the scripture. It says, he redeems us so that. So he redeems us so that we can actually be pointed to something greater, to something bigger. So it says, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and his daughter, as, as, so that we could become children of God. Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but let me, let me read this quote by a guy named J.I. Packer. He's a brilliant theologian. This is what he says in the, on the subject of adoption. He says, what is a Christian? The question can be answered in many ways, but the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers, higher even than justification. To be right with God the judge is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father 
is a greater. And this is what Jesus has ultimately come to do. He's come to be born and live among us, not only to redeem us, to bring us out of darkness into his marvelous light, not only to bring our souls that are dead and bring them back to life again, but to ultimately invite us and say, you are welcome to be a part of the family. Through redemption in Christ, we are now able to be adopted. This redemption leads to our adoption, and it is a very, very big deal. And we see this in John 1, verse 12 to 13, says, But to all who did receive him, this is a big deal. Because I think for we all carry this weird assumption that, okay, I'm like just because I'm human, I'm a child of God. And the reality is that's not it. What this text makes clear is it's for those who believe in Jesus, who follow Jesus, who pledge allegiance that I want to follow Christ and surrender everything to him for the rest of my life. For all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I mean, think about this. This is the implications that God no longer sees us as, this, like, as he saves us, and now we're just far off out here doing our thing. No, it's like he saves us and invites us in, and he calls us his sons and his daughters. That's a big deal. That's the creator of the universe saying, I love you so much, and even though you're going to rebel against me, you're going to fight against me all the time, I still want to call you my own. I still want to make you a part of my home and a part of my family. Ben Stewart, he's a pastor over in Atlanta, Georgia. He describes it so well, talking about this subject. He says, when you adopt someone from overseas, you have to travel to them. And you have to pay to get them out. So God is saying, I want them, I want people like you and me to be my people, to be my sons and daughters, so I'm going to send my son to them, to live among them and to buy them out. This is the beauty of the birth of Christ. I mean, Jesus being born wasn't just, wasn't just an event. It's not just an occasion. And it's not so we can celebrate this holiday every year. Jesus' birth was the beginning of a rescue mission. It was him coming for people who were lost in darkness and brokenness like you and I are apart from the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Jesus came on a rescue mission and God sent him to say, you're going to go get people I love, your future brothers and sisters, my sons and daughters, and you're going to save them and you're going to bring them home. This is the full circle implications of the birth of Christ. And we see this moving forward, carrying on in verses 6 and 7. It says, And because you are sons, because you're daughters, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, this is a big deal. Because that that language is not not just this weird, like, far off. Like, we have this, I I mean, I think for some of us, it's right to have reverence with God. But Jesus completely changed the game in regards to having a relationship with God when in Matthew chapter 6 he introduced this prayer saying our father because what he was trying to introduce and say to us is like God is no longer this far off person who doesn't care about you he is close he's intimate he is your dad and this is the language we see I mean if you see Abba father you translate this to the original language it's like a it's like a son or a daughter crying out to their father a good perfect father they can trust saying dad daddy daddy it's it, it's this cry of intimacy that this spirit through through Christ redeeming us is now inside of us and now we can run to God and say God I trust you you're my father 
I mean, it, it, the implication of this shows us that God is no longer just this far-off deity who doesn't really care about us, who doesn't really show up. Maybe he's even forgotten about us. Like, that's not, what, that's not true. What this text reminds us is he's not far off. He's not an unknowable ruler or an evil dictator, but rather he's an intimate father that we can know. We can know him through his word. That we can, we, we can learn all the characters of God through the Bible. That's why we read it, to understand the character of God and how he's designed everything to work and how abiding in him we actually see flourishing and more joy in our lives rather than less. I mean, Colossians 1 tells us that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus, meaning if you want to see what God is like, look to Jesus. The character of Jesus is the exact reflection of the character of God the Father. We can know him because of Christ. And now we can trust him. I mean, this goes back to the character of Jesus, that he was born like us and he lived like us, meaning we can trust him with our lives. We don't have to hold back on him. We don't, we don't have to look at, oh, Jesus, you don't know. It's like, no, he knows. He's been there. He's suffered. He's, he's been tempted. He's struggled. We can trust him. With our time, with our families, with our safety, with our security, with our finances, with every single second of every area of your life, you can trust him. And we, lastly, we can love him. He's a good father. We can love him. We can give him our affections. We can give him all of our hearts. We can say, Jesus, take all of me. Because of what you've done, you're no longer far off, but I'm adopted. I'm part of your family now. And that's what we see. I love it in verse 7. So you, we, those who believe in Jesus, were no longer slaves. No longer slaves to our guilt. No longer slaves to our shame. No longer slaves to our past mistakes and our regrets and our sins. But we're sons, daughters. And if a son, then an heir through God. I mean, think about that. I mean, imagine being an heir to the creator of the universe that all God has is bestowed to us, right? And we don't deserve that. Like, there's nothing we did to earn that. If anything, we, 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 we made it abundantly clear that we deserved everything but that. But Jesus was born, why? To redeem us anyway and to adopt us anyway. And this is the family we are now a part of. This is our home. This is our lineage. This is our family in Christ through Jesus. And this is, I mean, it all comes down, John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And I was going to take it a step further because 17 is just as good. For God did not send his son. Jesus was not born to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Church family, that is the invitation for us today. That for anybody feeling this sense of condemnation, this sense of guilt, no, no. Jesus was born and would ultimately live a perfect life, the life that we were called to yet couldn't. And he would die the death that we were supposed to yet couldn't. And he would rise from the grave, defeating sin and death forever and removing the debt of our sin, our guilt, our condemnation forever. This is why the birth of Jesus matters so much. When we talk about why was Jesus born? To redeem us, to adopt us, to save us, all to the glory of God and the joy of our hearts. 
We need to fight to remember that the greatest gift we could receive today is not under a tree, but rather our Savior who hung on a tree for us in our place. So don't neglect this today. Don't forget that you are adopted sons and daughters. That God is not just this far off person who doesn't care, but rather he is a good, good father who's close and cares about every detail of your life. You can know him, you can trust him, and you can love him.